Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. I'm Chip Patterson. The new college football playoff rankings are out. And oh man, Tom, there are so many changes. And none of them are at the top where it matters where we pick our playoff teams. One, Georgia. Two, Alabama. Three, Oregon. Four, Ohio State. Five, Cincinnati. Six, Michigan. I did target that as potential drama. Uh, Michigan State checks in at number seven. We do have Notre Dame making a move up at number eight. Oklahoma State at nine. And then the Wake Forest Demon Deacons at number 10 as well. Um, I mean, just listen, I I feel like we've been through what? a little bit of a listless draw against Jamaica for the U.S. men's national team, a, a dramaless uh, college football playoff top 25 rankings release. I've got some thoughts a little bit further down the rankings, but that won't ultimately determine the national championship. Do you want to take this from uh, the back forward or the top down? I mean, they're really kind of dealing a blow to our CFP and on kind of shtick here because – like last week, it was like, did they switch Michigan and Michigan State just to give us something to talk about? And now there's <laughs> like, what can we argue about here? There's not much to argue about, but I do think uh, that there's a list of takeaways. You, you want me to just start like firing off some thoughts? Sure. And I'll tell you, they're all wrong. All right. Number one, they love NC State because Wake Forest has moved up to number 10 after defeating NC State and NC State after taking its third loss of the season is now uh, sitting still within the top 25 right there at number where we at 20 but did they did they not did they pump Wake Forest up because they like NC State or just because Oklahoma lost because that's what it is to me like Oklahoma lost fell from 8 to 13 and then everybody else moved up a spot Okay, I thought there were some interesting... I I would have put Ole Miss ahead of Wake Forest. I would have entertained Ooh. Baylor ahead of Wake Forest. I think that uh, Ole Miss with Texas A&M, Arkansas, Tennessee, strength the schedule of 13. I think that Baylor with the win over Oklahoma, granted, like BYU is its next best win, but still, Oklahoma and BYU, Texas A&M and Arkansas. I think that Baylor and Ole Miss... And look, I say this with much love for Dave Clawson and much love for the Wake Forest program, but in the process of trying to study the committee rankings, Wake Forest was a bit higher than I expected. I thought that Oklahoma against Wake Forest was a debate where Wake Forest would win that one, not that it would also be ahead of Baylor and Ole Miss. I I, I get that, but I'm not surprised because, I mean, Baylor and Ole Miss both have two losses, so I I think that they're going to put the one loss 
Power Five title champion right now, highest ranked team in the ACC ahead of Baylor, the two loss Baylor and the two loss Ole Miss, especially because Baylor's losses have both come to teams that aren't ranked right now. And then Ole Miss is mm-hmm. so I'm not that surprised by it. I am kind I'm kind of surprised by how much they really dislike Oklahoma. Like or the Big is- 12 in general. I mean, Coco was talking about that as we were watching uh, live together with like, I mean, you know what? That would have been an awful podcast listen. Maybe a good video watch if you just seen us be outraged as uh, <laughs> nothing is really happening and there is no drama. But if you are listening uh, to the Cover 3 podcast, as many listeners do, uh, hoping for something, the long pauses and sighs don't don't make for good audio. But the conclusion <laughs> that I have is that the Big 12 is getting disrespected by the committee. They are, but it's also one of those things where I don't think if I'm an Oklahoma State fan or an Oklahoma fan, I'm too concerned about it because it's still pretty much the same formula. Like they, they obviously don't really respect their resumes to this point, but if Oklahoma State wins out, I th- it's got to be in the playoff. I don't see it getting left out because Ohio State or Michigan State are going to knock each other out. One of them's going down this week. And then you've got Michigan and Ohio State's week after that. So one of those, if Ohio State beats Michigan State, then it's going to be, you know, one of Ohio State or Michigan getting knocked out the week after that. Oregon's probably going to have to play Utah twice. There's Notre Dame to worry about, but I do think if Oklahoma State wins out, which will include at least one more win over Oklahoma and then maybe another win over Oklahoma in the title game or maybe even Baylor, that's going to give them a resume to surpass an 11-1 and Notre Dame team whose best win at that point would be like, what, Purdue? The best win for Notre Dame, yeah, is Wisconsin. Oh, Wisconsin. That's right. That that game was so long ago. I know, but uh, that was a completely different Wisconsin team too. It was also a different Notre Dame team, and as we discussed, we actually think Notre Dame's better now than like the quality of the team, the form that they're in right now, much better at this point in the season than when they beat Wisconsin. But thanks to Wisconsin's late season surge with Wisconsin playing the best football of its season right now, then, uh, then goodness gracious, I, I guess that ends up being what they hang their hat on, but Notre Dame at eight, you wrote about it, uh, this week on CBSports.com. We talked about it here on the cover three podcast. Notre Dame is the college football playoff contender. That is a legitimate contender that everybody seems to have forgotten about. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be hilarious. When eleven and one Notre Dame gets chosen over thirteen and zero Cincinnati, we got some time before we get to that. All right, do you feel I, I, confident? Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, what you want to talk about? Are you how surprised are you that Michigan wasn't ranked ahead of Cincinnati? Because minor, minorly surprised. I was grasping at straws, looking for uh, debates there. What did I say? It was Notre Dame against Oklahoma State and Michigan against Cincinnati were the only spots where I thought it was really difficult. Edge Notre Dame in the Notre Dame versus Oklahoma State. Notre Dame at eight, Oklahoma State at nine. Edge Cincinnati in the Cincinnati-Michigan debate. Cincinnati at five, Michigan at six. Again, the same as last week. So, again, I I was just trying to target where things would be difficult on the committee. Like, as, as much as I'm trying to learn about the process, those seemed like particularly interesting debates. Uh, if you are watching right now on YouTube, youtube.com slash cover three, uh, chime in on the chat. Let us know what you think. I already saw some comments about Mississippi State. Mississippi State checking in at number 25. I believe the only four-loss team inside the top 25 ranking from the selection committee. I'll say it. 
I think that's okay. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I get it. I understand why they've ranked Mississippi State because it's six and four, yes, but the four losses have been there's one well actually no not screw it i don't understand it you know why because the four losses have been to memphis lsu and arkansas and alabama and alabama but that's the one loss where it's like okay and i understand they have a couple wins but you're still valuing their win over kentucky who you're no longer ranking you're still valuing their win over auburn who you're no longer ranking so what is the resume? I mean, Texas A&M, who you just knocked down to 15. Okay, so that's now your best win that you're looking at for their resume. And how does I don't really think that should overcome overcome a six and four team. The four losses is damning, and LSU and Memphis are damning losses. And those, like in many people's opinion, should be an anchor. However, what I think happened here with the selection committee. And just to compare it to some of its neighbors, Texas A&M, Auburn, NC, or I guess Texas A&M and NC State, Auburn uh, no longer in the uh, college football playoff top 25. So that's two wins against teams within the current top 25. Houston at 24 has zero wins against teams in the current top 25. Uh, Utah at number 23 has zero wins against teams in the top 25. Let's go up to 22, UTSA, zero wins against teams in the top 25, 21, Arkansas, Mississippi State is one of them, but two. So I think that, and I I mentioned this on the podcast before, but Mississippi State is the most interesting resume in an an insignificant spot for the actual competition for the national championship. I am fascinated by how the committee ranks Mississippi State, and it doesn't freaking matter it doesn't matter even for like the orange bowl or any one of these like new year's six bowls because they're so far down but the strength of the wins for mississippi state again texas a&m and nc state currently within the 25 auburn i would say is a fringe team probably for this 25 another four loss team Mm -hmm. but then the losses uh lsu and memphis being so damning strength of schedule for mississippi state number 14 in the country i just i I understand why Mississippi State landed at number 25, if for no other reason than to compare its profile to those teams in the four or five spots ahead of it where they have more wins. Okay, well, keeping in mind that we are currently arguing or debating the number 25 team in the ranking, which I think gives the best indication of how crazy this week's rankings are. If we're going to rank a four-loss team 25th, do we want to rank the one with one team or one win against a team that's still ranked or the one team with two wins or one another win? All right, Penn State 6-4-2. and four, two. Penn State has a win over Wisconsin, which is very much comparable to Mississippi State's win over Texas A&M as far as where they both are in the rankings. Penn State also has a win over Auburn. But if you look at Penn State's losses, Iowa's ranked. Ohio State is in the top four. Michigan you have at number seven or six. And then of course there's the Illinois loss, which is what's keeping Penn state out. But is there really a huge difference to you than Penn state losing a conference game against another big 10 team compared to Mississippi state losing to an AAC team in Memphis? Like I understand from a power rating wise, maybe Memphis is ranked higher than Illinois, but it's not like we can sit here and say for certain that Memphis is going to beat this Illinois team. I think the Mississippi state Penn state debate broke with Auburn falling out and with Mississippi state beating Auburn because now Penn state only has Wisconsin 
in terms of teams that the committee's really excited about. The four loss teams, I had a couple. I I texted you. I mean, oh, hold on. Sorry. We, we forgot to get angry. Tom, I am angry about Utah at 23. I can't believe it. What a I joke. I can't believe it. All right. So I told you that I had about eight teams that were all in that spot from like 21 to 25. And the only four loss teams that I thought were going to be in the mix were Penn State, Mississippi State, Purdue, and Auburn. Clearly, Auburn, Purdue, and Penn State all did not make the top 25, but I thought all of them had a decent argument. And to me, the Penn State versus Mississippi State argument comes down to two things. Number one, Penn State has less wins against teams in the current top 25. And number two is you have to keep Mississippi State in there for another quality win for Alabama because it's all about trying to find the quality wins for the teams at the top in 21 through 25. CFP Anon is back, baby. Logged on and ready to go. We are 12 Chan here. Are you at all surprised that Clemson isn't ranked? Because if you're that desperate that you're putting in a six and four team, because you just need to find somebody to fill out because you're contractually obligated to rank 25 teams, can't you just put a seven and three Clemson team in there whose only losses have come to three teams that you've ranked? They lost to your number one team, Georgia. They lost to your number 20 team, NC State. And they lost to your number 22 team, Pitt. Now they don't have a resume win to speak of, which is why they're not ranked, but right. still. I would rather have a seven and three team without the super impressive win than a six and four team right now. And I understand that it's really not a big deal. It's just for me, like if you're if you're six and four, you're not one of the twenty five best teams in the country. Not right now. The seven and three team without an impressive win you're talking about is Utah at number twenty three, and I'm mad about Utah at twenty three. But that's yeah. Like if Utah could be ranked, why can't Clemson be ranked? Um. Clemson, who, by the way, is the uh, best win, I think, for NC State as well, uh, mm -hmm. who is 7-3 and three and at number 20. Uh, Arkansas at number 21. You feel good about that? Yeah, I'm fine with it. I, it's, I mean, they, they don't have four losses. So. Arkansas is 7-3, and three and its strength of schedule ranks number two in the country. Yeah, I know. 7-3 and three against the second hardest schedule in the country, then... You could probably, yeah, you could probably argue that the committee's giving other teams a little too much respect and they're not giving Arkansas enough. Yeah. Um, but I think it's I think it's the manner in which like they got just completely crushed by Georgia that kind of probably tempers the way that they feel about them. But still, they beat Texas A&M by 10. That Texas win was super impressive at the time, but as it's gone on, it kind of doesn't mean a damn thing. But, you know, they lost. They, they got in that crazy shootout with Ole Miss, lost by a point. They played well against Auburn, lost by two scores. But I, so that's probably what it is. It's just two other three losses have been by at least two scores. So what do you you mentioned earlier the the Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State? Do you see a path? And I'll try and talk my way around this. But do you see a path where two teams from the Big Ten East could make it into the college football playoff? No, I think that died once they all had a loss. Like if. If Michigan had avoided its loss earlier, if Michigan State, if like if they if there were two undefeated teams going into the stretch, then yes, there would have been the possibility. Like, say Michigan's undefeated and they lose close to Ohio State, and then Ohio State wins the Big Ten, and then Michigan's sitting there at what eleven and one, and its only loss is a close loss to the number two or three team in the country. Then I could very easily see them getting the same kind of treatment Alabama got a few years ago when they 
you know, didn't even win the division and they got into the playoff as a, as a number four seed. I could see that happening. But right now, Michigan State or Ohio State will have two losses come Saturday night. And then if Ohio State beats Michigan State, either it or Michigan will have two losses by the time their game is over. So that means that unless we're going to see a two-loss team get in as an at-large, no. And I really don't think we're going to see a two-loss team get in as an at-large. Same thing with Alabama. Yeah, if Alabama loses to Georgia in the SEC championship game, even as it sits there at number two, I do think that, so I guess they would be 11 and two. I think 11 and two Alabama, 11 and two Alabama versus 13 and 0 Cincinnati. I think they take Cincinnati. That's the only one I'm not 100% convinced. 11 and two Alabama against. What about 11 and two non champion Alabama against. 12 and one champion Oklahoma State. 12 and one Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. The only, I think here, okay, you know what? I say I don't think Alabama is, but there are two possibilities, I think. I think Alabama could be a two-loss non-SEC champ as long as he doesn't get blown out by Georgia in the title game. I love these hypotheticals, by the way. I could see a two-loss Alabama getting chosen over both Cincinnati and possibly 11-1 and Notre Dame because they'll make the argument, well, hey, Notre Dame's not a conference champion either. <laughs> so, but... What about 12-1 so, and one Wake Forest? No, if you're if you're an ace, if you are a power five conference champion with one loss, I don't think even this committee, with as flawed as a lot of their thinking has been, I don't think they will turn down a one loss power five champion for a two loss non conference champion, no matter who it is. And if they do, then that's it. <laughs> we are opening this F, thing up. F this system is I mean, I hate the system as it is. I've never made a secret of that. But if they do that, then I'm just I I I will not be on the playoff recaps anymore. I will not be I will not talk about the playoff on this show ever again. Do you want to hear something that is um it sounds horrible, but I think I agree with the gist of it. Sure. Quote from Gary Barta the uh, selection committee chair, athletic director at Iowa, currently on ESPN, as we come to you live on youtube.com slash cover three. Many thanks to Coca for transcribing this. First part of the comment, which is my favorite. Set aside watching the games. I'm, excuse me, sir. It, are we, do we not care about watching these games? I, I thought that you told us that all you did was watch the game. Anyway, Gary Barta set aside watching the games, though that's certainly part of it. But statistically, in just about every category, offensively and defensively, Michigan comes out on top over Notre, over Michigan State. Talking about the Michigan-Michigan State Wolverines ahead of Michigan State, despite Michigan State winning the head-to-head. And you know what? I've crunched those numbers too. I agree with Gary Barta. Michigan in so many metrics, mm-hmm. comes out as the better team than Michigan State. But it is hilarious that the preface is, listen, don't watch the games. Just check out offensive and defensive statistics, and you can see the Wolverines are better, which means it is the other side of the argument that they've made for years, which is how we watch all the games. That is an anti-eye test argument and- from Gary Barta, the selection committee chair. 
and that we watch all the games has always been crap. They've never watched all the games. These are 13 people who have jobs that aren't this. They've all got a lot more important things to be doing than watching all these games. They show up every week and they look at numbers on a screen. And then the numbers tell them who the better teams are. And then those that's how they put the ranks together, which is what I've talked about from the beginning. They can rig this thing any damn way they want. They can make the numbers what they want them to be because it's just 13 people like, oh, well, this, this number is better than that number, so this team must be better than that team. That's all it is. That's why this whole thing is a farce, and it has been since the beginning. Okay, so is the basketball selection committee a farce? Because I'm pretty sure that they are super numbers-based, and we have great like a three- to four-time sample size, I will admit, mm-hmm. and we also have a field that is 68 instead of four. But the way that I... But there's another huge difference, though. It's not just the size. It's that there are automatic bids. Half that field is an automatic bid. You win your conference, you're in. The other spots, the at-larges, that gets to be, I mean, then they can use the numbers that they want to, because you'll like they never put the second-place team from those mid-majors in or those small conferences. It's always going to be the fifth-place team in the Big Ten getting the shot over that. So it serves that same thing, but that's why I want, when they do expand this thing, I want every power five champion in automatically every single one. I want at least one group of five champion in hell. I would be, what are there? 10 conferences. I would go with every, all 10 conference champions get in and two at larges. That's my ideal playoff. I think that is the most fair way to do it, but they won't do that. Obviously they won't do that. But uh, your beating of the drum of the automatic bids has been a pivot that I like. I, this is weird, Tom. I, I am a fan of like some of your opinions, but I, I heard that one and I was like, it's a good take. You know, like Tom, Tom and I have been working together for 11, 12 years. And I was like, hey, you know what? That's finally fine. Like he's you could just be grumpy or you could carve out like a sensible position in what you believe to be the new future and understanding that expansion is coming. You say, fine, you can expansion's cool but make the conference championship races matter. Make this be something that you can go into it and say, we really do have a chance. If you are that, you know, if you're Utah right now and there's an automatic bid for a Pac-12 team, then who cares if you don't have a single win against a team in the top 25 because all you're thinking about is getting to the Pac-12 championship, winning that Pac-12 championship, and making it to the college football playoff. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, I do think it's funny going back to Barta's comments there that like the one argument that everybody was, you know, tr- screaming against the tide coming in about the playoff and to begin with when we were still in the BCS was, well, every game matters. Now we had now we're in the eighth year of the playoff and even the committee is admitting the games don't matter. Yeah, they said put watching the games aside. Uh, listen, I understand, Gary. You're real busy. You got a lot going on, but man, you don't even have a coaching search to deal with right now. And for you to throw that little phrase out there, like we're gonna clip that and we are gonna be talking about that for a long time. Put watching the games aside. SMH. I mean, I agree that Michigan's better than Michigan State too. Correct, which is why I said it's like <laughs> I agree but, with the sentiment. But, but that's fine. Michigan State still beat them. That has to matter. And if Michigan State goes and beats Ohio State on Saturday and then Michigan beats Ohio State and they put in Michigan over Michigan State when they both have the same wins except the one beat the other one, that's just, again. It's setting it up for the Notre Dame over Cincinnati for the final bit. Mm-hmm. 
We say offensively, defensively, strength of schedule, all the numbers that we looked at on our big dumb sheets said that Notre Dame was a better team than Cincinnati. Yeah, fast forward, like, well, oh, why did we choose Notre Dame? Well, none of us watched that game. So that was <laughs> we put that game aside and we looked at the numbers on the computer. Incredible. It's maybe that's what they're doing just to give us something to talk about. Maybe that's the bone they're throwing. Gary Bart is like, I gotta give the dog some meat. Any uh any other thoughts from the uh the 25? I think I detailed those teams that I feel like my snobs, my snobs are uh Penn State, Purdue, Auburn, and I think that's it. Yeah, and even those, I mean they're they're snubs, but they're not like, you know, I don't know. I, just I mean said the four loss, a four loss, and a four loss team. At, at least they did the token thing of throwing Houston at 24. But that's clear. That's still very, that still just gives you an idea of how little respect they have for that conference. So I've been updating like some, ever since the first release, I've been updating all these numbers. Houston strength of schedule is dropping. Yeah. It's 125 so right now. Maddie's. Yeah. And it's getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. That's the other problem that Cincinnati faces too, is that over the last few years, the American has without question been the best group of five conference. That's not the case this year. Yeah. Cincinnati's great. The rest of that conference has been pretty mediocre. And I think the Mountain West, honestly, I think the Mountain West has more good teams than the American does this season. San Diego State at nine and one has a strength of schedule seven spots higher than where Houston is uh, also at nine at Houston's also at nine and one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At this point, yep. San Diego State picking up San Diego State also has the Utah win. Uh, which helps it with a win against a top 25 team, according to the selection committee, something that Utah cannot boast. Which maybe that's another point in Notre Dame's cap because the difference between Cincinnati and Houston for the most part is obviously Cincinnati's undefeated, but they have that one win over Notre Dame, which separates them from 19 places, whereas San Diego State's got a win over Utah, which gets it up to 19 instead of 24 where Houston is. So when you look at the gap between Cincinnati and San Diego, that kind of gives you an idea of what the committee thinks of Notre Dame, which will be part of the reason why they choose Notre Dame over Cincinnati if it comes down to it. So the big takeaways games aside, big takeaways are number one, put watching the games aside. <laughs> number two, number two, we're, if, hating, we're hating the big 12 and number three, prepare yourself for Notre Dame over Cincinnati. Let's make a deal right here, right now. You and me. Okay. Saturday. Let's not watch a single game and then we'll it's, just come on the reaction pod <laughs> and break them all down. No deal. Like I'm, I, Game no aside. <laughs> Final Listen, score aside, I, I think I, that whoever Alabama played today is a better team than they are. I've seen what happens to analysts who don't watch games. I've seen them step out on that tightrope, and uh, it doesn't go well for them. And I enjoy my job, and I take great pride in the work that we do here on the Cover 3 podcast. Uh, couldn't be me. Could not be me but is there not a part of you that would be interested to see how a reaction pod would go if we didn't watch a single minute well one thing i do like about the reaction pod is our honesty you know like when we'll say oh i didn't see much of that game you know did you or like oh like i saw this what happened and and i think that when we gather together it is impossible for us to have 
awesome expert. I watched this opinions mm -hmm. on, you know, we're going to end up discussing 25, 20 to 30 games in the process of a, a reaction pod. Like there's no way you could actually watch all of that. I mean, I'm, I've seen what, like, I don't know why, but like the Phil, you know, Phil Steele, I don't even think he does it anymore, but back in the day, eight screens or whatever. Yeah. He used to always do a shot. It's like, Oh, 12 o'clock window winding down. Like I, I can't do that. I need, I need to have my like alpha beta gamma. Like I need to have my, my tears along the way, uh, not to mention our own professional responsibilities with live blogging and the like. We'll see what's happened. Like, yeah. When I'm live blogging a game, like I have other games on, but the live blogging is taking all the attention from everything. But I will say the one bonus of there being a billion TV timeouts per quarter now is that when you do have multiple games going, You've always generally got a game playing at some point. So when they all go to commercial, you just look at the other one and that's when you watch yeah, and yeah. then you come back. Yep. A hundred percent. What'd you think about the one, one draw? I didn't watch it. Mm, is that a Gary Barda joke? <laughs> no, I, I didn't watch. I was just, I mean, us is already in, so it wasn't really that big of a deal to me, but I don't know. How, how'd Jamaica look? Did Leon Bailey play? Um, for Jamaica. I know Mikhail Antonio played. And had a banger! Yeah, well, he's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I'm, clearly, I mean, he's one of the nastiest I, West Ham players, but the... I just want to say, I discovered Michael Antonio because I was doing a FIFA career a couple years ago and I signed him from, like, Bordeaux in France and just, I made him, I had him in my team in the championship. He led us to the Premier League, so I knew before anybody else did that Michael Antonio was going to be a stud. As a good Serie A fan, I was uh, excited to see Busio get the start and play the full 90. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I I didn't listen to K. Galazzo for more. The K. Galazzo podcast, <laughs> Jimmy Codra and, and Heath Pierce, I'm sure doing an instant reaction right now where they are, you know, wringing their hands at some of the listless performance down the stretch. Uh, Tim Weah had an awesome goal early. Then Mikhail Antonio had the answer. And then it was just like a bunch of like bad mistakes by Anthony Robinson, you know, a couple of like, I don't know, just kind of yucky, uninspiring kind of efforts down the stretch, especially in the defense and the midfield. A lot of brain farts out there. Not, not great, but it's a point on the road. So whatever. let down game after Mexico, you know, it's coming, but I, I will say the one nice thing about the state of the USMNT right now is they've actually reached a point of, competency where I don't feel like I have to watch every single match because it's like, eh, they'll be fine. They're going to make it this time. Whereas like last time when the World Cup came, it's like, oh God, they might not make it. Well, it's like they took off Ricardo Pepe for Areola. Like there was yeah. a bunch of like 75th minute moves where I was like, oh, okay, y'all are good with the draw. That's mm -hmm. fine. You both scored earlier. <laughs> he is Tom Fernelli. Here's the deal. We are going to be back with you on Wednesday. We're going to be dipping into that big old bag of mail as well as hitting some of the headlines from the coaching carousel, updating our win totals and our season-long projections, maybe even our fantasy teams from our Cover 3 draft, uh, as well as more takeaways from these rankings from, Dan, from Danny Cannell uh, and Bud Elliott. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Brunelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you.
Ready? Go. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hang on! It's off the charts spectacular. Go, go, go! Tom Cruise has outdone himself. The world's coming after you. Stay out of my way. Prepare for one of the best action movies ever made. This is getting exciting. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13.